Before we get into the sermon, um, I was a huge fan of the far side. Any of you remember the far side? Do you remember that? I used to, I used to live for that. Every morning I'd get up. Anybody remember the far side, Gary Larson, those cartoons? Okay, oh man. I, I live for those every day. They were just hilarious. As a matter of fact, I have one for you right here. It's one of my favorites. I've got lots of favorites, but here's my, one of my favorites right here, okay? It's the deer with the, with the target on there, and it says, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. You know, when you think about it, a deer with, born with a, with a birthmark, I don't know why that's funny, but, but that's funny to me. And you're saying, now what's that got to do with the sermon series? Well, stick around and I'll tell you, okay? Because we're right in the middle of this series here. Who am I really? Unpacking humanity. In other words, what we've been talking about for the past, and if you're new, if there's a uh, visitor here today, what we normally do is we, we preach a series, which means we take an idea or a topic, and we preach on it for several weeks until we pound it to death, and then we move on to the next topic. For the last couple of weeks, we've been right here, who am I really? Unpacking, why, who am I? Why do I do what I do? Why do I go through what I go through? All right, so far, that's what we've been doing, and this is what the Bible says right here. It is in Christ that we find out who we are, and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and get our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. If you want to know who you are, you're going to find out who you are. You're going to find out why you do what you do in Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. So, so far, last couple of weeks, first time it was this, who am I? I am the beloved called and gifted for a great work. Now you can pull out your sermon notes if you want to do those kind of things. Overall, you have to remember that who I am at the very heart is I am the beloved of God. God loves me so much. He's put a call on my life, and I don't mean a call. Sometimes we, th- we look at a pastor and we say, well, he's got a call on his life. That's true, but so do you. What I do is what God has asked me to do, but he's asked you to do something different. It's, no, it's not that what I do is better. It's just my call. You have a call on your life, just as significant. God knows your name, and he has called you. This is what the Bible says. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. Before God created the world, he knew you, he knew your name, he had a call, and he said, I'm going to create the world for one purpose. I want to love you. And for you to come into existence, there has to be a world. Before the world was created, he decided to focus his love on you and created you for that purpose. That's how much he loves you. Then last week, we came up with this one. I'm broken, but I can be better, okay? I am the beloved. There's no doubt about that, but I'm also broken. I'm broken in my mind, and in my body, and in my spirit. I don't do the things I should do. I know what I should do. I can't carry it out. I can't. My body lets me down. My mind lets me down, and my spirit By the way, do you know how you see that in Jesus Christ? Well, look at Jesus. Jesus is who we were supposed to be. His humanity is what we were supposed to do. I know how broken I am when I compare my life to the life of Jesus. And I go, wow, I'm broken. This is what the Bible says. For what I do is not the good I want to do. Do you resonate with that? 
No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, I look at what I, I know the things I should be doing, and I have such a hard time doing them. I can't do them all the time. I fail. How am I going to get past this? Well, the good news is through Jesus Christ, I can get better. Through Jesus Christ, my whole spirit can be changed. Through Jesus Christ, I can grow into the image of Jesus, and I can become better and better. Now, I won't be perfect. I won't be who I really should be until I cross that threshold we call death. But I don't have to remain like I am. God changes me. So I am the beloved, but I'm also broken. Today, who am I really? Well, are you ready? I am a target. Okay. This may explain some of what goes on in your life. That's why I started with that Gary Larson cartoon. It may not be the thing you want to hear today, but it's the truth, and you better know it. Okay, we believe in a spiritual reality. I think everybody is in this room primarily because you believe it, or you might be investigating it. It could be that you're not sure, so that's why you came to church. Most of us, however, in this room will accept the fact of a spiritual reality. You're here to worship God as spirit. We spend most of our time talking about the positive, about God, about Jesus Christ, about salvation as we should. That's where we should spend almost all our time. But there is another side as well that we also believe in just as strongly. Evil, if you want to call it. The devil. Satan. We believe he exists just like we believe God exists. And Satan is fighting against God. We don't know much about that battle. We do know that Satan was a created being. He's not equal with God. Don't, don't get this, this whole uh, idea of you know God and Satan are, are almost equal, but God's a little more... No, 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 no. Satan is a created being. He was an angel. For whatever reason, he rebelled against God. He turned against him, has been fighting against him ever since. His doom is sure. It's already set. He knows his doom is sure, but he has no intention of ever going back to God. He fights against him. Now, what does that have to do with us? Well, let's say that I had to do battle with this guy. Okay. I have no idea who he is. I just found his picture on the internet and thought, okay, what if I really hated this guy and I challenged him to some sort of fight one-on-one? It would wind up probably looking like this. Let's see the next one. That's me on the ground right there, okay? And that's him pounding on me. I don't stand a chance. This guy's going to clean my clock. I can't fight him. I mean, look at me, okay? This guy's going to just take me out. We're not even close matched. I'm not going to get in a ring with him. That would be dumb. But um, if I can't hurt him, what if I know he's got a lot of kids and I have no morals or scruples and I want to hurt that guy so bad? Do I get in a ring with him? Who do I hurt? I hurt his kids. Welcome to the family. You think Satan can get in the ring with God and go one-on-one? And he knows it. 
You think he can hurt him? No. So who does he hurt? All of God's kids. There you go. Because he has no morals and he has no scruples. This is what the Bible says. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now he wants to hurt God. That's the one he's rebelling against. How do you do that? You hurt God's kids. Paul put it this way. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Satan cannot hurt God. He can't take him on. He can't stand toe-to-toe, and he knows it. So he goes after us, and he does. Now, if that bothers you, it's the truth. You need to know the truth. We're, don't worry, we're not done yet, so stick with me here. First of all, I want you to understand that you are a target, but could remember this as well. I am a protected target, okay? It's not that I have to climb in the ring with Satan. God has actually given me a level of protection. Satan does not have free reign in my life, nor does he have free reign in your life. If he did, you're dead meat. You cannot go against God. You cannot go against Satan. It can't be done. But God knows this. So he gives his children a level of protection. Think of, think of Satan like a mad dog on a strong leash, okay? Even if you really want to write that down, that's a good thing to write down. Satan is a mad dog on a strong leash, and who's holding the other end of the leash? God. Satan can only go so far in your life if you're a child of God. Now, if you're not a child of God, well... You're on your own, okay? You just got in a ring. But if you're a child of God, if you trust Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, a disciple, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior, God has put a limit on Satan. How about this? God has put a hedge around you. And Satan can go only so far. And no, Now, sometimes he can get really close. Sometimes God allows him to do things that miss. I'm going to show you this right here. Ready? Scripture says, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He will never let you be pushed beyond your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Now, there's a promise that says, okay, if you're going through a temptation or a test, first of all, it's probably one that everybody else has gone through as well. And second, God is in control of it. And he will never let you be pushed beyond your limit. He knows your limit. He knows your limit better than you know your limit. And God says to Satan, this far and no farther. Let me show you how that worked. Peter had um, been braggadocious, and he had just uh, promised Jesus that he would never deny him. And this is what Jesus says to him. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now let's stop right there. Simon's faith, Peter's faith, was about to be tested. Could Satan do it on his own? No. He had to ask permission. From who? God. 
Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Satan has come to us and said, I want to test Peter. And God said, okay. Then Jesus said this, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you say, but it did fail. He did deny him. No. He was scared. Ever get scared? And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. See, God knew that Satan was going to test him. God knew that that Peter was going to deny him because he was afraid for his life. But God also knew that Peter would turn back. And that very act of going through that test would strengthen the people around him. And that's why God let him go through it. But Satan couldn't do it on his own. He had to get God's permission. Why would God allow this? Well, here's why. Scripture tells us clearly why God does this. Why is it that God allows that that fence to come in so close that sometimes we are hurt and attacked and our faith, and we're going to talk about all the ways that he attacks us, sometimes God brings that fence in right here so close. Why? Well, here's why. Talking about the trials that we go through as a church, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold. How much is gold selling for these days now? 1,600 an ounce. Is it still that high? Wow. Or was it down to 1,400? Whoa, man. I remember it was $32 an ounce. And God says, you know what? What you have that's far more precious than your gold, it's your faith. And I want that strong because it's that faith that's going to get you through. It's that faith that will make it all the way to the end, and it's the end that we're worried about. These have come, these trials, these temptations, these times that God has, has allowed. To, let's face it, sometimes when, when we're going through life, God puts a hedge over here, and I'm way over here, and I'm just singing a song. My word, life is good. There's no problems at all. And every now and then that fence comes right here. Why? Why are you doing this to me, Father? Why do you allow Satan to, to, to hurt me that way? Why do you allow him to tempt me? Why do you allow him to bring those thoughts and those doubts in my mind? And my father says, well, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I'm doing it because I want you to be stronger. But can you trust the fact, son, that I'm in control of this? He's on a leash. However close he gets to you, will only be by my permission. He can do nothing to you without my permission. You are safe in my hand. I didn't say you'd be comfortable in my hand. I said you'd be safe. Now, can you believe that? Let's quickly look at this, because I really want to get into something else today. But I just want you to understand... That God allows tax, and we already know why he allows those attacks. We just showed you why. He's trying to build us. He's trying to strengthen our faith. He knows that, that if we have life just cushy, if we have life, everything handed to us, if we're completely protected, we will be wimpy, wishy-washy lumps of human flesh. And he's looking for strong men and women of God who can stand up for him because we've got a world to conquer. We've got a world to tell about Jesus Christ, and you can't do that as a soft, lumpy, wishy-washy person. God is strengthening us. And he strengthens us through those trials and the tribulations by bringing that fence in close. And then he gives us a breather and he moves it back. Thank you, Father. 
And then if it's moved there, I can guarantee at some point my father's going to say, if you, okay, that's a good break. Good, let's get a little closer now. He allows tax on our health. He does. Satan sometimes has ability and permission to even attack our health. This is what Jesus talked about, one woman who needed to be healed and was healed on a, on a Sabbath. And she, he said this, then should not, because they were, some people were upset about the fact he was healing on the Sabbath. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day? From what bound her? Somehow that fence had come so far into this lady's life that Satan had actually bound her. Jesus said, I'm going to set her free. But there's a character in the Bible that even demonstrates this more. Who would that be? Any guesses? How about Job? Remember Job, the Old Testament book? Satan comes into the presence of God, and God says, look at them, boy, have you considered Job? He, he really trusts me. And Satan says, yeah, he trusts you because you protect him. Take away all, all that he has, and he'll curse you. And so God gives him permission to take away all that he has, and he doesn't curse him. And then he comes back, Satan comes back to God and says, and God says, look, what do you think? I took away everything, or I allowed you to take him all away, and, and he still praises me. And Satan says, what? Yeah, but this is what he says. Skin for skin. Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. Stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but spare his life. There's the leash. I will give you permission to make him so sick but you can't kill him. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it happens. I got to tell you the truth, okay? You have to know the truth. That's what this is about. We'll, we'll get better, okay? Stick with me here. Sometimes he attacks our mission. Sometimes we're on a mission for God. We're trying to do what God would ask us to do. And you think that the way is just going to be made clear for us and there will be no obstacles. And that's not true. Sometimes God allows Satan, he's on this long leash, he allows Satan to get so far that he actually blocks our mission for a while. Paul experienced the same thing. This is what he said. For we wanted to come to you. He's writing to a church in Thessalonica. We want to come to you, certainly I, Paul did, but again and again, but look, Satan stopped us. Now, is that because Satan has free reign in Paul's life? Is this because Satan is in control of what Paul does? Or is this because God, on that really long leash, let Satan get so far that he actually stopped Paul from going somewhere. Yeah. But who's on the other end of the leash? Who's holding the leash? God, every time. But most of the time, Satan really doesn't attack our health. And he doesn't really attack our mission, although that happens. What does he normally attack and I promise you, this week, he will attack you this way, maybe even before this day is out, maybe even while you're sitting right where you are. Our faith. That's what he wants to destroy. Here's why. He can attack us physically, but all he's doing is trying to destroy our faith. He's not trying to destroy our body. He can get in the way of our mission, but... That really doesn't stop us. But what if he can actually, actually stop us dead in our walk with God? See, this is the way to hurt God most. 
I, I hate to tell you this, but while God is concerned about the times you are physically attacked, and he is, I mean, he, Scripture says that a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground unless God knows about it, he cares about you, but if you ever read the book of Job, you notice that God doesn't weep huge tears because Job gets sick. I mean, God cares, but God also knows it's a momentary thing, and you'll get through it. What breaks God's heart is when people turn against him. What breaks God's heart is when people walk away from him, when they reject him. Any of you ever see the movie Hook? You remember the movie Hook? If you, if you haven't seen the movie Hook, it's a, it's a fun one. It's, it's one where uh, Peter Pan is grown up now, and it happens to be Robin Williams, and he doesn't even realize he's Peter Pan. His memory's kind of been wiped away or whatever. He kind of gets called back to Neverland to follow his kids because his kids have been kidnapped by Captain Hook. Captain Hook has come into the real world, and has God grabbed Peter Pan's kids and taken them back. And he could, he could hurt Peter Pan by either killing Peter Pan or by killing his kids, but he comes up with a much better idea. And you know what that idea is? What if he can get Peter Pan's kids to turn against him and to embrace who? Captain Hook. Can you imagine the heart of a father broken? To see your children not only reject you, but embrace your enemy. That's what, Jesus, that's what Jesus wants to keep us from doing. That's what God is calling us away from. That is what Satan wants to do. And he does it through doubt. He tried it with Jesus, by the way. Look at this. When he came to Jesus, he said this. If. Now there it is. That one word, say that with me, if, ooh, one of the most powerful weapons in his arsenal, if, if God really loved you, why? If Jesus really died for you, if you've really been forgiven, if you've really confessed, if, oh, he's good. He's so good at his job. So for the remainder of our time, we're going to take a look at this. We're going to have to do it quickly. Time's running out here today. How to joyously live as a target, because you are... Now, if you want to walk away from God, you can stop this target bit. You won't be a target because you're already lost. But if you're going to walk with God, you're a target. Bummer of a birthmark, Hal but you're a target. No way around it. Now, how do you do that? But how do you do it joyously? That's the thing. I mean, we're not going to walk around this hole going, oh, man, I'm a target. How horrible. I am a child of the living God. Yes, I'm a target. But I'm not going to be walking around with my head down and in fear. I don't have to. Why? Satan is a strong mad dog on a strong leash, and the other end of the leash is held by... God, okay, nothing's going to happen to me that my father isn't in full control. He knows it's going to happen. All right. It won't be comfortable. But I'll get through it. First of all, here it is. How to joyously live. Number one, submit to God and resist the devil. Now, 
most people in the world will get that confused and they'll flip it around. Okay? They'll submit to Satan and resist God. Bad move. We want to submit to God and resist the devil. This is what the Bible says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. The best defense you have against the attacks of the enemy is a closer and closer relationship with who? God. And all those attacks that God allows, guess what it's designed to do? Bring you closer to him. Closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. Now that doesn't mean that the attacks will stop. Jesus walked with the Father like this and was attacked all the time. The difference is he wasn't bothered by it. He was able to deal with it. You submit to God and resist the devil is your step number one. But then the step number two is this. You fight the spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. And you know what most of us are fighting the spiritual battle with? Willpower. How's that working out for you? Not real good, is it? There are times I would just want to say to Satan, okay, by my willpower, or I will, I will intellectually argue you and argue with you, Satan, and I will explain to you why your whole way is wrong. And he's got me like that. That's not how you fight this battle. You fight the spiritual battle with spiritual weapons, and God has given us those weapons. This is what Scripture says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You're a target, but you're not an unprotected target. You are a protected target. Not only are you protected because Satan is on the end of a very strong leash, but you are protected because God has given you things that even as Satan is allowed to attack us, only to the limit that God will allow, they won't hurt us if you follow and use those weapons. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it's coming, maybe today, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, see, as Christians, we don't cower in fear. We stand. We stand. Okay. When my father says, Satan, I'm going to let him get real close to Doug. Okay. I stand. At least that's what I'm designed to do. And I use these weapons because my father's given them to me. And here they are. Ready? First, the belt of truth. And let me understand. See, we, we have belts today. Sometimes our belts are just decorative. Sometimes they actually are there to kind of keep things where they should be. Belts were very different in the time of Jesus because people wore long flowing robes. Okay? How do you fight a battle in a long flowing robe? If you, you get tripped up, don't you? So what they would do is they would, they would bring up the robe and tie it around them and they'd use a belt to tie that robe around them so that they wouldn't get tripped up. Well, guess what? Lies are like that. Lies trip you up. See, the first couple of things he's going to talk about here are things that we need to be able to do to stand against that. If we give in to lies, if we have a habit of lying, we will get tripped up. It's like fighting a battle in long robes. You're going to get tripped up. The first thing you need is to be people of truth. It gives you that ability to walk without getting tripped up. The second thing we're going to use is the breastplate of righteousness. 
The breastplate is, is something that went across the chest. So that even if Satan was trying to get in here and he tried to hit, there was something that protected. And you know what that is? That's good deeds. That's righteousness means to do what is right. When I do what is wrong, Satan has got a great in right into my life. But when I do what is right, he can try to hit me. But what I'm doing is right. All those blows just bounce off. The next thing that I use, the best, now we're talking about things that we believe. First of all is the boots of the gospel. I use the the word boots instead of shoes. What we're talking about here is when you're fighting, you're going to fight on whatever terrain. You don't always get to choose the terrain you're on. You better have the right shoes. Because those shoes, I watched my little girl um, earlier this week, as a matter of fact, and she was wearing kind of the wrong shoes to school. They had a little bit of a higher heel on it. They're good shoes. They look beautiful. She looks wonderful, except she's kind of walking it's harder to walk. And I said, sweetie, you know, you have a lot of walking to do today at school, maybe some better shoes. And she decided, sure. And she put on some shoes that were easier for her to walk. Now, it's not that the shoes she were in were wrong. They were fine shoes. They look great. Just hard to walk. You're in a battle. What kind of, don't, don't wear high heels to this battle, all right? You have to have the right shoes. One time, and I told you this a few years ago, we got to go climb a volcano in, in Guatemala. It was wonderful, but I was in the wrong shoes. First of all, it's kind of volcanic rock everywhere, and, and there wasn't a lot of support for my ankles. I couldn't have fought a battle there. I would have turned an ankle. Plus, my shoes started to melt because it was a volcano. Wrong shoes, all right? You're going to fight this battle. You've got to have the right shoes, and the shoes that give you that foundation is the gospel. And what's the gospel? The gospel is this. Jesus Christ died for you. Now, that's how I fight this. Anytime there's a doubt, something comes in, I remember Jesus Christ died for me. I'm a son of God because Jesus died for me, not because I'm a good guy, because I'm not. I'm not good enough to be a son of God. I'm here, and I'm a child of God because Jesus died for me, and that's the gospel of peace. And that's what I put on my feet. And that gives me my footing as I fight this battle. I have the shield of faith. Okay, The shield that he's talking about, there were two different types of shields in the, in the Roman army. There was the smaller metal shield that you would use for... There was the big wooden shield. That's what this, by the way, the word is all about. It's a big shield like this. It's covered in, a, in a, uh, an animal hide. And it's soaked with, with the right material, kind of some sort of chemical, so that when somebody shot like a little flaming arrow, it sunk into this wood and it extinguished the flame. That's your faith. Satan is going to shoot little things right at you. If, 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 if. Your faith is that shield. Bong. No faith. Bong. faith. I believe. But it doesn't make sense. I believe. Explain it to me. I believe. How can it be? I believe. I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. See, that's all the time that Satan's trying to engage my mind and say, let's fight this battle intellectually, Doug. And I'm going to look like that guy in the ring. He's going to take me down and beat me up. God's word is true. God's promises are true. I can't explain them. I don't understand them. But they're true. And finally, he says, the helmet of salvation. What's going to protect your head? What's going to... 
Are you a child of the living God? If you're not, you're going to fight this battle on your own and you are dead meat. But if you're a child of the living God, the most important thing, the head, for a blow to the head was fatal, is protected because Jesus died for you. You are a child of the living God. Your sins are forgiven. You're in a relationship with him, and Satan might hurt me. I might drop my faith a little bit. He might bruise me. He might blood me, but he cannot kill me because I am a child of the living God. Because Jesus is my Lord and Master, my Savior, I'm protected. This is what the Scripture says, and as we just get ready to close. Stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted that comes with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Move next one, please. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. See, that's where I got it. It's from the word. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Two things and we're done. There is no armor for the backside. Did you notice that? We don't retreat. And we don't run. God has given us nothing to protect the back. He's called us to stand. Just like this. We're a target. Okay. Sometimes God allows that to come in real close. Sometimes, But we're still a target. But it's right here. Come and get me. All right. But I don't run. If I turn around and run, I'm... There's nothing to help me. And I have one and only one weapon. What is it? My intellect? My, 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 my voice? What does it say? The sword of the Spirit, which is what? How well do you know the Bible? Why do you think God wants you to know the Bible so well? It helps your faith. I have no weapon to hurt the enemy except the word of God. And with the word of God, I can take him down right at his knees. He comes at me, I can quote scripture, and I can go back to the word of God, and I can say, but the Bible says this, and he falls. Because I'm such a great person with a wonderful... No, I use the word of God of God. Why do you think God wants you to know his word so well? Every single time Satan came to Jesus, how did Jesus respond? It is written. When the Son of God will only attack Satan with the Bible, what makes us think we can do any better? If you are the Son of God, no, it's written. If you are the Son, no, it's written. If you know it's written, can you look at Satan when these doubts when come, when the, when the attacks come, when God allows that, that chain to get so close to us, are you able to say, it is written? And you'll do well. If you can't, well, I would encourage you to do a little more study and we'll help you with that. Fortunately, you have enough other armor that you won't die, but you'll be pretty bruised. Well, bloody. But you want to fight back? Don't you want to fight back? Aren't you tired of just being a target? 
Don't you want to fight back this enemy, this evil that, that seeps into our world, that seeps into our life, that wants to destroy our life? Don't you want to fight him back? With the word. It is written. So there it is. Your target. That's why a lot of things happen to you. That's why a lot of things happen to me. But my father knows it. He's given me everything I need. Satan's on this long leash. And my father has fully protected me. But still, with all that protection, I'm going to face it. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen because that's what's going to make me strong for God. That's what's going to make me strong for Jesus. That's what's going to allow me to be in this world what he's called me to be. If he handed everything to me on a platter, I'd be a soft, mushy, wishy-washy Christian that accomplished nothing for God. It would all just come to me. And I don't want to do that. I have been called and gifted for a great work. I want to do what God has asked me to do. And so, I say, Father, I trust you. Bring the trials that you think will work in my life. And we'll get through them. Father, For some of us, this will explain some things that even happened this last week. It'll also explain why sometimes we have a hard time moving forward with our faith. We, we've, we keep thinking that everything should just be perfect for us. And Father, it doesn't work that way. You actually bring things into us. You, you allow things to happen to make us stronger for our sake. Now, Father, we're not going to lie to you and tell you that we love that. We hate it. We don't like to be a target. And there's part of us that would just like it all handed to us. And there's a question as to why you just don't do that. But Father, you've told us why. You are in the process of making us strong men and women for you. Because it's only the strong men and women who will be able to accomplish in this world what you've called us to do. Out of your love, you've called us to do a great work. And now you are strengthening us and preparing us to do it. And that means trials, temptations, and battles. It means we're a target. But Father... We don't want to fear that. There's no reason to do that. You've protected us, surrounded us in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. We claim all of your protection. And together as a church, we're going to learn to use it as a body together and individually as well. Thank you, Lord. Amen.